need a show of hands. How many of you, if you can remember, how many of you growing up, you were afraid of the dark? Show of hands. Afraid of the dark, right? My hand's still up because as a kid growing up, I was afraid of the dark. In fact, I was the kid that probably um, pushed open the door as much as they possibly could so that the hall light can kind of just shine a little bit more into the doorway because, you know, I wanted just any little glimmer of hope and light that I could see. And if that didn't work, then I wanted to hide from the darkness. And so I would just kind of like pull the cover over my head, thinking that I can actually like hide from the darkness, even though realizing that there's actually more darkness underneath the blanket. I wonder, though, if, um, if we ever outgrow our fear of the darkness. Because even now, as an adult, I'm, I don't really like it. Now, I don't like the darkness that Gerald May defines as the dark night of the soul. The darkness in which there's obscurity. The darkness in which God seems absent. The darkness in which activity from God seems to be little to none. The darkness in which every time we cry out, the prayer seems to fall upon deaf ears. That darkness, the darkness that Psalm 8 is talking about. And if, as we've been hearing, the Psalms speak to the seasons of life, and each, each Psalm that we read about, we can kind of dive into, we can take on the posture, we can learn more about, then surely Psalm 88, in its darkness, in its obscurity, gives us a posture that we ourselves can model and take when we ourselves hit seasons of life that we want nothing to do with. Because no matter how much we may want to flee from darkness, no matter how much we want nothing to do with obscurity, no matter how much we want nothing to do with the quietness that often comes, it's something we have to face. So Psalm 88, it's a lament. It's one of many laments. And it kind of follows a, a little bit of the same pattern and structure that other laments do. It, it has in it within this... Uh, there's this plea, there's this petitioning to God, just kind of saying, this is, where, this is the state that I'm in. Um, there is a prayer for asking for deliverance. Um, but here's the thing, it kind, of goes, it kind of goes off a little bit. It kind of goes with, uh, like Sesame Street's, you know, one of these things does not like the other. This psalm, in particular, does not end the way other laments do. Other laments actually say, here's my future praise of deliverance. Here's my future hope. How does this one end? Darkness, you're my only friend. Actually has us thinking more about probably Simon and Garfunkel's opening lyrics to The Sound of Silence than it does to any future hope of deliverance. And if you weren't thinking of Simon and Garfunkel up to now, you are right now. <laughs> but if we think about it, we can't escape darkness. We can't escape the season. We become just like the psalmist. How often do we utter prayers in which we say things like, God, are you hearing my prayer as my parents walk through divorce? God, are you hearing my prayer with this terminal medical diagnosis? God, are you hearing my prayer when I no longer feel close to you as I spend time in your word? God, are you hearing my prayer because I'll sing the songs, but they don't seem to resonate in my heart and my soul? 
God, are you hearing me when I cry out? The psalmist was in a really bad place. There's nothing we can really say other than that. God, the way the psalmist is talking, God has put him in the depths. God has placed his wrath upon him. God has rejected him. God is hiding his face from him. God has destroyed him. God has him in a dark night of the soul. And we all respond differently to dark nights. We all respond differently. We respond in the season of obscurity in ways that can baffle us and baffle others. Some of us respond by simply saying, I'm going to hide from it. We try, to pull our, we try to pull the blanket of our life over the darkness and try to hide ourselves from it. When we walk through the darkness, we try to blame ourselves or we blame others. We look for something to blame for whatever it is that we are walking through. Others, when we walk through darkness, we actually look for something that can explain away what's going on. We might even deny that we're actually even in darkness. We all walk through it differently. About two years ago, I was experiencing some, um, some different kind of physical symptoms that kind of had me alarmed. And so I went to the doctor and the initial kind of thinking from the appointment on was that there's a possibility of cancer. And in this initial, and so they started running a gamut of tests and blood work and all kinds of different things. And from that initial moment in which there's the possibility of who knows what, to even afterwards in which treatment was taking place and all these different kinds of things, I found myself in a season that I did not want to be in. And I found myself doing some things in this dark night that I actually did not think I was actually going to do. I found myself questioning things. I found myself wanting information. I found myself saying things like, well, what did I do to make this happen? Well, what caused this? Who can I blame? What can I blame? What's going to take place? Is this ever going to happen again? I wanted control. Because there's another thing that we discover in the darkness that we are trying to, how we respond to the darkness is that we want control. And darkness reminds us that we're not in control. Darkness reminds us that we want information. Obscurity reminds us that we want to at least try to understand because if we can understand what it is that we're walking through, then we almost feel like we're more willing to walk through it. But there are times in which the darkness that we're walking through, the obscurity, the season of life that we are in, we just don't get it. That no matter how many times we ask for answers to the questions that we keep saying, no matter how much we spend time and energy on those things, guess what? We don't get an answer. Because it's quiet. So the dark season reminds us that we want control. The dark season also reminds us that, you know what, we actually don't know how to respond to these seasons of life. Another show of hands. This psalm was a little different than the ones that we've been, even the way that we had the video presenting, it's a little different than the ones we've been having before, isn't it? This one was a little bit down. 
And so in this sense, when we saw this, when we see the scripture kind of being lived out, and even as we read it, we kind of go, um, really? Is this the one we're going to spend time in right now? So we want to run from it. In fact, we actually become a little bit like the friends in the psalmist or the family members. We want to abandon the darkness. We want to abandon even those who are walking through the darkness because we don't know what to do with it. Or, in some cases, it reminds us that we ourselves have not dealt with the own, our own darkness. And so to walk with somebody else through theirs, we're going to go like, no, I, I haven't really walked through mine. Why, I, I can't do this. So we abandon control, abandonment. Another way we respond to the darkness is actually our faith begins to fall apart. One author said, the faith that we have relied upon has fallen apart. The God who is supposed to act a certain way is no longer acting the way that we've constructed. We all do this. Every single one of us, we all have some type of faith construction. We all have certain views by which we think God is supposed to act. That when something or a certain event happens in life, we have an idea, we have a view that this is how God is supposed to act. And when God does not act that way, something's put at conflict. We start to almost like run up against the wall of the boundaries that we've made of how God is. We try to explain it away. Those things that we were talking about earlier, God, you are not supposed to act this way. Why are you acting this way? And when we ask that question, what is there? Silence. We begin to say things like, God, you have abandoned me. When in reality, it's not God who's abandoned us. It's our view of who we thought God is that's beginning to become abandoned. What we've constructed God to be and to do, that's what's now leaving. In the darkness and the quiet, we're put trying to figure out who is God in the midst. Have you, um, have you ever met somebody who's walked a certain way in the darkness and it's actually inspired or encouraged you? My grandfather, Don Kirsch, is one who walked faithfully in the darkness. He literally walked through the darkness because he was blind. He was blind from probably the early age of my childhood on. And it was always amazing to watch him live in darkness. It was always amazing to watch him do life without seeing. I'll admit, I probably as a kid actually probably tried to get in his way. You know, when he was actually walking around with his cane, I probably actually tried to get in his way a couple times. I'll admit that. But other times to watch him figure out how he, how he basically managed life, how he embraced the darkness. He didn't complain about it, but he lived into it. One time he actually took us around downtown Buffalo, just he and I, and I wasn't even his eyes. He actually led the whole way 
As he allowed his other senses to become heightened, he walked and stayed in the darkness in such a way that I thought, I want to do that. He embraced it. He embraced the darkness. The psalmist, what we just heard, the psalmist embraced the darkness. If you look through the text, there's a few things that kind of point out the posture that the psalmist maintains throughout that gives us hope in the darkness. The psalmist is authentic and genuine about where they are in life. For as much as we may have a hard time with these words, as much as we have a hard time with the psalmist actually saying these things about God and about their state of situation, they are basically genuinely saying, this is where I am. This is my state. This is the season that I am in. To deny it is to deny what's actually happening in my life. To say this is what's going on also puts in saying, I'm not going to be held by this. If I own it and say, here's the space for this season, there's a little bit of releasing of control as well as releasing and actually acknowledging it. So the psalmist said, I am overwhelmed. I am confined. I cannot escape. This is where I am. This is my grief. The other thing the psalmist does that gives us hope in the darkness is the psalmist has an attitude and a posture of openness. I spread my hands out to you. There's not a closeness. They're not closed off. The psalmist is saying, I will still be open to you. And you can only have that when we actually acknowledge and say, this is where I am. But I'm not going to abandon it. I'm going to be open to see what's going to happen. Psalmist is still turning to God. If you look and spend time in it, all the different places in the address to God continues to say, Lord, Lord, hear my prayer. Lord, will you hear me? I still turn to you, Lord. Even from a young age, I've been in darkness, but I will still turn to you. I had a hard time for two months when I was walking through the season I was in, and I was like, what's going on? This person has been walking through it for all their life, and they're still saying, I will still turn to you. No matter what we have, no matter what sliver or glimmer of hope and light we have, we still turn to God. And this is the part that I, as I spent more time reading and thinking out what the psalmist is actually doing, I realized that the psalmist actually was shouting an item of praise at the end. It's just not what we're used to. The psalmist said, darkness, you are my friend. No, it wasn't a praise that basically said, Lord, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and I will praise you in the days and years ahead. No, the item of praise that the psalmist actually said, you know what? If God has me in the darkness, then darkness is my friend. If God has me in this season, then this season is where I need to be. The season of obscurity, of confusion, of grief, 
This is where I need to be. So what do we do? What do we do with this? If we're to take on the posture of the psalmist, what can we do? We can lean in to the season of obscurity. This is something that the recovery community does so well. They are authentic. They are genuine. They are real and they are honest about what is going on. And they say, you know what? This is where you are. I'm going to lean in with you. We're going to hold this space for walking through this season of darkness. They don't run from it. They stay in it. So we too can model and posture after the psalmist and say, darkness, we're going to lean in. We're going to create and hold this space for this time. What would it look like if we took on the posture of the psalmist and we were actually genuine and authentic about the seasons that we're in? Our groups that we share with, our families, our coworkers, our places in which we have influence. When we actually were genuinely shared and said, this is the season I am in. We try to do this. We try to do this when we, when we walk up to people and we say, how are you doing? We just treat it as like just some cordial, just kind of like, and we expect back just like a, I'm good, how are you? But when we actually ask each other, how are you doing? Let's be prepared for a variety of responses. I remember I did this with somebody. I, I asked them, I said, how are you doing? And they said, do you really want to know? And I actually stopped for a second. I thought, do I really want to know? But I thought, if I asked, then I should know. And so I did. I said, yes, I do. I probably said a little hesitantly, but I did say, yes, I do want to know. And we had a conversation about the season of life they are in. If we are actually create and hold the space, we can find a couple things out. We can find out, one, people actually do care about the season you're in. And the other thing we find out is we are not the only one walking through that season. I actually was a little bit nervous when I was going to do the show of hands and said, who's afraid of the darkness? Because you know what I actually thought? I actually thought I was going to be the only one who had his hand up. I even asked my wife, I said, hey, do you think other people are going to actually raise their hand if I say who was afraid of the dark when they were a kid? Because I'm pretty sure I was the only one who was ever afraid of the dark. And we think that though when we talk about darkness, we think, well, I don't want to share that because if I share that, then I'm the only one who's walking through a Psalm 88 season. If I say that I'm the only one who's ever going to, they're going to let me like, oh, really? You're resonating with that Psalm? Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to go now. No, we think that when we actually are authentic and say, this is how I'm doing. We find out I'll walk through that with you. Utilize the community that we're part of. Then when we lean in and we carve out space, we actually come to find out there are people and resources that are available to walk through the darkness. There are people who are trained to listen to listen well. We call them spiritual directors. There are people who are there to help walk through seasons that need healing. We call that wellsprings. 
There are people who walk through seasons to help and to listen, to sow and to hear that God is present. Probably the last thing, the last posture that we can learn and to take on from the psalmist is to keep turning. To keep turning to God. Darkness is hard. Grief is hard. Discouragement is hard. Loss, loneliness. And when it feels like God is not anywhere near, it is hard. So the hope in the darkness is to keep turning to God. Yes, the same God that seems very quiet. The same God whose action seems to be absent from your life. The same God who you think does not care for you does. I'll admit it. I don't get it. God is mysterious. And the more that I try to construct boxes around God on how he's even supposed to act in seasons of darkness, the more I realize that God continues to say, nope, don't put that box up. But God is mysterious. He does what he does. I don't understand why we walk through the seasons of darkness just to see certain things. I don't get it. It kind of reminds me of when in the Chronicles of, in the Chronicles of Narnia when Susan was asking Mr. Beaver about, about Aslan. And, and, and she asked, she goes, oh, I've never met this, I've never met this lion. Is, is, he, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver's like, no. Aslan's not safe. Of course he's not. But he's good. When God takes us through these seasons, we want to ask the question, God, are you taking me through a season that's, that's safe? And I think if God actually were to give an answer, I think there are times in which you say, no, it's not safe. But it's good. And that's hard. That's hard. And if we lean into, what, and if we lean into God doing what only God can do, then we find our lives being transformed. We find attachments, addictions, things being transformed that we never could grasp before. We find that as those things are purged and burned away, we find that we have a pure, more loving relationship with God. We find a freedom that can only come through this type of season. We find healing. We find healing in our identity. We find healing in relationships with others. We find healing in how we even view and approach God. And we find desire. 
We walk through a season of darkness and it seems there are times in which we go through the season and we are pleading with God to do something. God, I need you to do this. I need you to do X, Y, and Z. I need you to act a certain way. And that is our prayer. And the more that we stay in the darkness, our prayer eventually becomes, God, I need you. We go from wanting him to act a certain way to just wanting him. We go from thinking that, well, I don't know about this God, the way he's acting over here, this and that, to just saying, I just want God. And our desire becomes pure. We just want to love God. In our desire, we just want to love each other. And we find our desires even that God begins to work through the darkness that we actually end up, we love ourselves and how he's made us. tried to think about where do we go from here? That yeah, we've got these practical things that we can do. We've got these things in which God is doing the mystery. But one of the things I thought, and I wrestled with this, I thought the thing about darkness is that dawn does end up coming. We so often talk about, when I look at, when I think about Easter, we think about what happened on Good Friday was this, was horror, right? We talk about Good Friday, like, why is that good? It's the season, I mean, Christ died. And we so often jump over to Easter. We go like, Christ died on Friday, and then we've got Sunday. But there's this holy Saturday Psalm 88 is Saturday. And when we're in Saturday, we need to live in it. We need to stay in it. But the gospel also tells us that dawn is coming. We don't know when. We don't know how. But it is coming. John of the Cross, who actually did the work on the dark night of the soul, one of the poems that he wrote at the very end gives us the glimmer, the hope that we have exiting darkness. He says, how gently and lovingly you wake in my heart, where in secret you dwell alone, and in your sweet breathing filled with good and glory, how tenderly you swell my heart with love. Darkness just seems dark. But dawn shows us just the little glimmer of light and hope that we need. The little glimmer of light and hope that says hope is here. Light is breaking in. So let us keep holding on to the hope that's found in darkness.